Hey, we're back with another episode of Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. I'm Kevin Rogers, your host, and today I'm interviewing Debbie Kunst. In downtown Edmonton, there is a church doing some incredible work with uh, folks that are in that neighborhood. That church is called Father's House. And the pastor, Debbie Kunst, is a spiritual mother in the Father's House. You know, uh, we all need spiritual fathers. We need spiritual mothers. We need spiritual brothers and sisters. And uh, may God also grant that we would be able to have uh, people that would view us as spiritual fathers and mothers. Debbie uh, comes to us um, in this interview. Uh, we met last year uh, at an urban guiding group uh, for all of Canada. We met at the uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada uh, International Office in Mississauga, where this uh, interview was recorded in the archives. And um, we uh, have remained in touch. And even though uh, this interview happened in 2019, and a lot has changed since then. Uh, the heart of who Debbie is and the work that's going on in downtown Edmonton is noteworthy. Urban churches are so vital uh, for the, the spiritual life of our cities. And yet, if you look at where most churches are, most churches are in the suburbs in the outlying cities and towns, and even some in rural areas. And yet where we need the city uh, churches to be often is in the core. Well, Father's House is in the core, and uh, some of you may wanna go back and listen to other episodes. Uh, Bob Gell is another person uh, ministering in, in Edmonton. Uh, he's good friends with Father's House. And uh, so God's up to some good things in Edmonton. So let's go to the interview now and uh, learn all we can about doing urban ministry in downtown Edmonton. Debbie, uh, you've spent much of your life in Edmonton. And tell us about the city that you live in. Okay. What, what's it known for? What's it look like? Okay, I love Edmonton. I was actually born there even though my family left um, to go to BC for a while. but So coming back in 1985, um, it had changed from, from what I remembered as a child. But if I think about Edmonton 1985 to Edmonton uh, 2019, wow, it's changed even more. It's spread out so big. Um, uh, to I me, thought you were only 30, Debbie. Yeah. <clears throat> Don't do the Get, math. Getting your dates Don't mixed do up the math. there. Okay. <laughs> no, it is an amazing city. It has grown so much. Uh, people often talk about Edmonton as the gateway to the north. Uh, it's the city, the big city, right? And people from the north come to Edmonton for uh, medical interventions and things like that. But also, we also know Edmonton as an oil mm -hmm. capital too, right? Mm -hmm. Edmonton is the capital of Alberta, contrary to what Calgary might think or say. We are still the capital city. At one time, uh, when you came driving into Edmonton, you saw the big Hear signs. Hear that, you people from Calgary. <laughs> you used to see the sign, uh, City of Champions. Mm. And of course, um, for us, we remember those glory days of when our Oilers were ruling the hockey world and bringing home all the championship cups and 
and uh, our Edmonton Eskimos were the victor on the football field. And so we clung to that city of champions, but we've had to take that down. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't, you don't see it anymore coming. I also, you know, I also remember the big granaries when you would come um, from from the south end, coming from Calgary or coming from the airport, entering into Edmonton, you'd see the big granary um, with the big sign that had the scripture verse on it. And uh, as a kid, I, I just, that was so big to me. It's gone now too. So, so is, we've changed. Has, has uh, that part of, uh, has Alberta been the Bible Belt? I think that you would often hear people call us the Bible Belt of Canada. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's changed. Uh, other ways it's changed is at one time Edmonton was predominantly, uh, you know, our cultural backgrounds were Ukrainian, Italian, uh, Germanic, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now we are a myriad of cultures. Right. We, we are way more colorful in what we look like in our city. And um, so you will meet so many ethnic backgrounds now in Edmonton that that years ago you couldn't have imagined coming to live the nations have come to Edmonton sounds like you love your city I do I get pretty excited about yeah Edmonton. it's your city of choice now you uh, work for an organization called uh, Father's House and you're downtown Edmonton and uh, tell us what street you're on and and then I want you to take me on a I haven't been to Father's house yet, yes, uh, yes. but I want you to um, take me on a five senses tour, take, walk me around the block, walk me around the neighborhood, okay. and describe to me uh, what I'm going to see and smell and hear and, and touch and taste, and what's, what's this neighborhood like? Oh man, you can get me hungry just thinking about that. Um, so... Edmonton Father's House sits on 97th Street, right around about 105th Avenue. And um, if you know Edmonton at all, you'd know that that area is right um, on the entrance into an area called Chinatown. And even though we kind of, our Chinatown's kind of divided into two, there's one aspect on 97th Street and another one just to the east of us, uh, we're Chinatown. And so that means that if you just go north from us, um, on both sides of the street, that's Chinatown. So um, that embraces um, not just the Chinese um, stores and restaurants, but Vietnamese, Thai uh, food, uh, yummy stuff. So when you talk about a taste, boy, uh, come outside at the right moment and just, you know, like... Oh, what are we having for lunch today, right? Uh -huh. um, that being said, we are also in what's called uh, Macaulay District, um, Macaulay neighborhood, and it is um, a very, uh, what we call the inner city of Edmonton. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the area where you find most of the uh, agencies that reach out to those who are um, poverty-stricken, those who are uh, homeless, mm -hmm. those who uh, would be suffering from addictions of, of many sorts. Yeah. Uh, I would say, um, for me, it's an area of uh, lost people 
Mm. Uh, You're talking about our friends. Yeah. Yeah. They're my people. Yeah. They're my friends. Yeah. Um, over the years, they've yeah. become my people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we go for a walk uh, to the east of us, we in one block, we're at the Bissell Center. Mm -hmm. And if you just go a few blocks north of the Bissell Center, you find the mustard seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you take from the mustard seed, go a few blocks west now, past us a little bit more, and you, you come to the Hope Mission. Mm -hmm. And right by the Hope Mission is the Herb Jameson, and right over across the street from that is the George Spady. And all of those are uh, big areas of uh, outreach, of uh, missions, of uh, detox centers, mm -hmm. of addiction, healing places, uh, community centers. Uh, the Boyle Macaulay Center is just a tiny bit more west. We're like in the in the middle of all those areas. It always amazes me how many um, street missions, if, if we want to call that group of uh, agencies that, how many of them uh, have some kind of faith base, some mm -hmm. kind of absolutely something that was rooted in the gospel that drove people to say. We we got to respond. We yeah. gotta we gotta get down to outside of our house and and go out on the street and and yeah. help people that are are experiencing such desperation. And mm -hmm. um, you were a, a pastor's kid, and uh, you grew up. Um, your your dad's uh, also a Pentecostal pastor, mm -hmm. uh, like you are. Yeah. And uh, but you grew up. In, a, in an age when uh, the settings you found yourself in, it's like that James Brown song, it's a man's world, <laughs> right? Yeah, sing it. And uh, it's a man's world. And so there was a, a culture of church that, uh, at least in my childhood, your childhood, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, women were not given the same opportunity or oh. the same respect for leadership and and uh, you know uh, I, I feel like we were missing out on um, half of the power that was released in the church mm -hmm. and and definitely missed out on the synergy of you know having both men and women um, Working you know, at take, full capacity. Working at full capacity, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think there's a lot of unachieved potential yeah. because of a mindset and uh, uh, I, yeah, I grew up in a time when um, you got told uh, constantly, you can't do that, you're a girl. You know, mm. girls don't climb trees. Mm -hmm. Girls can't ride a bike as fast as a boy. Um, there's just all these limitations that were mm -hmm. placed on you because you were a girl, which uh, in fact angered me a lot. Yeah. Um, I had a brother who was older than me and, and often tagged along to follow his footsteps and wanted to do whatever he did. So um, it would be up to a point I would get away with it, mm -hmm. but then would come that dampening of, wait a minute, you can't do that. You're a girl. Yeah. I remember a moment in Bible college uh, because I wanted to just be like my dad growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, like everything that I saw him doing, it just burned in me. And I, whatever he said we should do, like um, he, my dad was a very charismatic preacher, 
very um, illustrative in his sermons, and mm-hmm. he would tell stories that just enriched me, and I just wanted to do and experience all of what he talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was about four years old, he pastored in a place called Thorsby, Alberta, uh, a farming community. And uh, he always would say, you know, Sunday night is our evangelistic outreach service and you need to get out and bring someone into church tonight. <laughs> Invite people to come to church and find Jesus. Yeah. Four years old, I listened to that and took it to heart. And while my mom and dad had Sunday afternoon nap time, I would go out and knock on doors. Literally would go wondering at four years old, at four years old knock on wow. the doors and ask, do you want to come to my church tonight? And my parents didn't even know until one day walking down the main street of Thorsby was walking with my dad. I forget where we were going, but uh, someone stopped him on the street and said, Oh, hi, Reverend. I just want you to know your daughter is quite the little evangelist. (laughs) And my dad said, She's what? What do you mean? How do you know my daughter? <laughs> and he says, oh, she knocked on our door last week and asked us if we wanted to come to church. Yes. And my dad looked down at me and looked at this guy, and he tells a story about how they invited me in to come and have milk and cookies and had a lovely visit with me in their home on wow. a Sunday afternoon. Wow. And um, that kind of uh, curtailed some of my wanderings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it it does speak to my heart for souls. Like mm-hmm. from that young age, that call of God was there in me to say, mm-hmm. I want to I win people for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so then I went to Bible college and um, with that burning desire, but kept meeting that wall. It'd yeah. be like you'd be in discussion and learning and talking about the things of God and, and discussing you know, how things could be done. And then would come that same phrase, wait a minute, you can't do that. You're a girl. You need to marry a nice man and be a pastor's wife. And uh, I changed schools, uh, went went to school in the States. And I remember the first time that I I was invited to sing in chapel because Mm -hmm. music is a huge part of me. And we're there. Yeah. Amen. All right. So I got up, I sang in chapel that day and had a lot of fun, had met some other musicians and they had said, let's shake up. It was a very, very white college. And mm-hmm. let's shake it up with some good black gospel music. And mm-hmm. I sang that old song, I Go to the Rock, you know. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a great time. We had brought in drums and a saxophone and bass guitar. and Had the place rocking. and Back, fin- back when that wasn't normal. No, that was not normal. Life. Not in no. our college, that's for sure. No. And 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 after after the chapel was done, there was four guys lined up proposing marriage to me literally like <laughs> they're like you play the piano you can sing you, you wow. can, will you be my wife i need you in my ministry wow and that was really that's the world i grew up in it and was, did you marry one of those four guys i did not no no good, good. no absolutely didn't matter of fact i married a man who uh did not demonstrate a call to ministry like myself and was mm-hmm. really difficult for that time for my parents to understand mm-hmm. that I could follow God's will and not be a pastor's wife. Even yeah. my own parents who facilitated ministry for me, yeah. they still felt that was my safest route. Leon? Is that his name? Bob. Bob. My husband's oh. name's Bob. I don't know where I got Leon from. Well, that's but. okay. <laughs> so Bob, and Bob. Uh, uh, what's Bob do? Bob's a salesman. Mm-hmm. He's an out, He works in outside sales. He mm-hmm. has a passion for selling. Mm-hmm. And um, he travels. He's traveled many of the 
the roads of Alberta, Saskatchewan, uh, just selling different products. Yeah. Right now, uh, metal industry, I call it. He's sold steel, and right now he, he's in metalworking solutions. So mm. very much knows the industry in the heart of Alberta. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he's that end of things. So in, in this relationship, he's the pastor's wife. Yeah, yeah. We joke about that. Does he play piano? No, no. Okay. He he sings in the shower really well. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And mm. he he loves Jesus with all his heart. Yeah. Uh, my children are so blessed to have a godly father in their home, but you would rarely see him up at the front. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. takes the back. Yeah. Yeah. That's where he feels safe. Sounds like a sounds like a good good marriage, good balance. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want I want to. We're going to take a look at Father's house, and um, you know, the, it's it's housed in an old uh, church, yeah. And and it is a church, but it's not just a inward-looking church. It's a church that really spills out onto the street, and and it's all about connecting with uh, the parish, yeah, the, the people in your neighborhood. Yeah. Absolutely. In in all of their uh, vivid color, all of their diversity, all of their diversity. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, t- you somebody called you the candy lady. <laughs> what's what's that all about? So, um, uh, before we planted Edmonton Father's House, I was on staff at Evangel Pentecostal Assembly, mm-hmm. and uh, part of my uh, portfolio was evangelism at the time, and so I. Th- we were uh, very much a, a suburban church. Mm-hmm. Uh, evangel, yeah. Evangel, yeah. very much. Uh, we had we had been um, more central at one time, but as the church grew, moved out to the suburbs mm-hmm. uh, to spread out on a big piece of property, and the community grew up around the church, really, yeah. Um, yeah. hugely. And so I felt that we needed to get out of the comfort of our our building and our community and head downtown to where uh, things were very different. So we put together a team, started a street ministry, and um, in the course of uh, uh, learning what that entailed, because it wasn't like I was smart enough to do a whole lot of studying before we did. It was just like, here's a need, let's go fill it. Yeah. So, you know, packed up with some hot chocolate sandwiches and, and some people and headed downtown. And I've never had a hot chocolate sandwich. No, we had bologna sandwiches, oh, okay. I should say. Uh, they're very <laughs> famous, those sandwiches, and yeah. still made by the senior ladies. Yeah. And why Evangel. can't you get fried bologna in a restaurant? It's I don't know, but it's it, so good. It, it is very popular. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we... Um, established a ministry downtown but in doing so um, we could have from anywhere from 75 to 150 people lined up waiting for us when we would get downtown after they found out yep we're going to come every Tuesday they could trust and depend on us to be there they were Um, lining up they would line up and be waiting for us but what would happen is there would be people who didn't like one another in the same lineup together. Mm-hmm. So there'd be what you would say bad blood between people. Mm-hmm. So there could be fights breaking out at any time. And um, that was new for me to to be dealing with. And um, some of my volunteers were younger 
junior high kids. One of them was my own son, who was just 10, my daughter, 16. And it was like, um, this is not healthy. How yeah. do I get this fighting to They're stop? They're not going to break up a street fight. No, no. wouldn't let them. No. no. So it was, how can I do it? So I tried a few little um, tactics to get them to stop fighting. And I can tell you, pleading does not help. And um, I br uh, brought my whistle and tried blowing my whistle for a while. <laughs> and that definitely got their attention, but not in a positive way. So uh, my background had been a children's pastor and uh, candy works with kids. Oh yeah. So I thought, well, let's just take some candy with the adults too and see if that will help. So. I got a big bag over my shoulder filled with candy, and I would just wa work the line. So my other volunteers would be setting up tables, serving drinks uh, with the clothing tables, handing out clothes, working, handing out the hot food, the sandwiches, everything. But my job was the line, and I'd work the line and talk to people, and I would give them candy as I talk. If a fight would break out, I would get over there and I would introduce the thought of candy. I would just be like, hey, you guys, how are you doing? You haven't had a candy yet today. How about if I give you guys, stop fighting, I'll give you a candy. And honest to goodness, wow. it would work. Uh, uh, to this day, it's still amazing. But I became known as the candy lady. Candy lady. You candy should, lady. You should get an endorsement, you know, like that <laughs> Snickers commercial, you know, where you, the guy's a bear and they hand him a candy bar and then he just sells he, right down it works it, it actually works, works. Yeah, yeah yeah you're just not yourself you need one of these and yeah. so to this day i don't dare we still do street ministry on tuesday night even mm -hmm. though we are now downtown and most people call me pastor debbie now or pastor deb mm -hmm. uh, there's a few people that call me father mm -hmm. just because that is how the the essence of how to be respectful yeah uh to some of them they 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 want to affirm who they think i yeah. am so they call me father and i just get a <laughs> chuckle out of it and thank yeah. them but but um i still have to have candy when i do street ministry mm. talk to me about uh how how prayer plays into uh being trans helping people to transform helping to see change come mm -hmm. uh you you told me some stories before about uh, how you you and your 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 people would go in the neighborhood and uh, without making a big ruckus or a parade just quietly going around and and praying and yeah. some of the things that happened tell tell some stories about that so um you know long before there was even an inkling of an idea that we'd be planting a church uh, after we started our street ministry um, it seemed the the idea of you know the book of Joshua to go in and possess the land mm -hmm. uh, quickly saw the needs that were there once we started going downtown and that idea that uh, that we need to claim that land uh, in the name of Jesus mm -hmm. and so uh, we would after we would serve we'd pack up and then we would go prayer walking um, on mostly to be in with along 96th Street. So I mentioned mm -hmm. the churches on 97th Street. Mm -hmm. um, the place where we set up street ministry was is one block from where the church is now. Um, and 96th Street is also called Church Street in hmm. Edmonton. Uh, it has a long history in it. And if you walk um, north from the Bissell uh, for blocks, there are church after church after church there hmm. that, that sits um, on that street. 
So we decided we needed to to walk and we would pray for the churches. But if we were to go to the south of uh, 96th Street, there was our Edmonton um, uh, Central Police Station. There was various uh, places of entertainment, York Hotel, the Royal Hotel. Uh, There were peep shows, Triple X, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so so it was like church street, go that way. This night street, (laughs) nightlife, go that way. So um, anyway, we just felt prayer was essential to claiming that land. So we just go for walks. Well, uh, right across the street from where we set up to do street ministry was a liquor warehouse. And um, one of the things besides the the open drug use in the inner city is the the alcoholism is just so prevalent, right? Yeah. And um, And so for me, it was like that place just seemed wrong that affront it just fed fed things so anyway we started marching around there mm-hmm. and people that we were feeding would laugh and say that place is never going to change pastor debbie it's not going to be any different it's yeah. it's too it, it, you know they make too much money from there why would they why would that go away but one day we pulled up and um the the people our friends from downtown said have you looked across the street yet and there I looked, and there was a construction uh, fence all around the building. It was coming down because it had been bought by the Bissell to, to build a brand-new building to serve people from downtown. Wow. So that building came down, the York Hotel, which was a place where most um, – of the ambulance and police were called because of the stuff that would happen. It was a notorious bar. It was yeah. a very notorious place. So we started uh, walking over there and just in the parking lot, make a circle and just begin to pray. Just quiet, not not getting into any kind of, you know, bad talk or anything like that with people. Just to be praying and to be positive. And many times people from downtown would wander out of the barn and stumble right into the into the circle and they'd be like <laughs> i'm gonna pray with you too and they would just join hands and we begin to pray and, right on and the next thing you would watch the change just come over them they would begin to weep and they just begin to tell their stories of how how they had a background somebody a mother someone had prayed over them and mm. they their their hearts would just would melt right and and so we were so glad uh a member of the day i heard on the news that that the York Hotel had been closed down, shut Mm. down by the city and the city had bought the land and um, it it still sits empty right now, Mm. um, but the York Hotel's gone. And more stories about like the Royal also, same thing down the street, uh, took a little bit longer. I think it was about a year of circling around the Triple X Peep Show uh, Mm -hmm. building. Mm Uh, with interesting dialogue with the owner, what are you guys doing? Go away, you're ruining my business. And I was like, we, you know, we we're not interfering with your business. We're just asking God to, to take care of this this building. <laughs> and one day we pulled up, and uh, it was vacated. On the sign said, "We've moved." Hmm. And, and now there's an art gallery that sits there instead of a triple <laughs> X peep show. So we began quickly to see the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. And little did I know, but it was on one of those prayer walks um, 
about about 12 years ago that I heard God speak to me and didn't understand immediately what he was talking about. But I remember him speaking to me very distinctly as I walked saying, find me a house. Hmm. Find me a house here. Debbie, I want you to find me a house. And I thought he literally meant a house. And I totally started inquiring about maybe we're supposed to like buy a little house downtown, rent a house. Maybe we could do Bible studies um, from, you know, church, our evangel. Mm -hmm. We would go down there. Maybe I could even have an office in this little house and spend a couple of days downtown, you know. Uh, Were you still at evangel at this I was point? still at evangel. The there yeah. was no talk about planting a church, anything like that. But I began to pray. And at one point, I got quite discouraged because it didn't seem to be forming what was supposed to happen. And I was like, God, did I not? hear you I thought you said find a house and and the kids that were on my team lots of high school uh, young adult students um, we had prayed earnestly for this house and so it was confusing to me like God I, I don't get what I was what you meant so I'm just gonna leave it with you and just carry on working mm -hmm. uh, so when our senior pastor said we should plant a church and and I found myself downtown. You can understand yeah. why we called the church Father's, Father's house. house. Yeah. Because we found him a house downtown. That's what he meant. Yeah. Now wow. I understand. Yeah. Wow. You know, sometimes people will come into environments like the Father's house because uh, they want to help, you mm -hmm. know, and, and they feel bad for those poor people. Right. Mm -hmm. And and there's a slang expression of, you know, people who come to pet the poor. Oh, yeah. And what would you say to anybody that wants to come into this environment uh, where if they want to come into the parish that you serve in, the neighborhood that you serve in, what would you say to them? Uh, how would you prepare them and so that they're not coming and just you know, getting off on having some kind of, um, Done my, you know, I my did, I did good my uh, good work, you know, but mm -hmm. what's, what's really involved in you, this You kind make of a thing. good point, like, because when we first started going downtown ourselves, that was what we were met with by the people downtown. Yeah. They challenged us. They said, you're just here to feel good that you've done your charity and yeah. then you're going to go away. And yeah. I remember at the time saying, you know what? I hear your challenge and I accept it. I'm going to promise you. I'm going to keep coming down here. I'm yeah. going to be here for years. Yeah. You're going to see me every yeah. week. So what I learned was relationship is so key, right? Mm -hmm. And so when people come and say they want to volunteer, how can I want to help? I want to get involved or whatever. I will invite them. I'll say, why don't you come and look around? Why don't you come and hang out with me one Tuesday night mm -hmm. and just kind of see and ask yourself while we do ministry, is this a good fit for me? Mm -hmm. Is this where I see myself serving? And there's a few places that they can serve anyway. They can do street ministry or they can come and help at an afternoon drop-in because mm -hmm. we open our doors mm -hmm. for community drop-in. So maybe they feel safer in the kitchen serving food or uh, yeah. Sunday morning breakfast, something like that. Uh, they could come and sort clothes. But mostly I say, you, you need to come and hang around mm -hmm. and just see what it's like first and then tell me if you want to commit to serving. I'm going to not, I'm not going to 
um, take you on. I'm not going to say, yeah. yeah, you can be my volunteer yet until you come and you feel like you understand us and yeah. who we serve. Yeah. Because these are our friends and they're important to us. Yeah. So um, a lot of times people will come on a Tuesday night and they'll tromp around downtown with us because we, we, we mm -hmm. cover a lot of territory. Mm -hmm. And they see God has given us such favor, but that favor has been, it has come over time of building relationship and, and being there, the longevity of sticking it out. So if I walk down the street and people see me and hug me and know my name, it's not because I just appeared on the scene. Mm -hmm. It's because I've been there and they see me and they've come to accept me. Mm -hmm. And so people will come and they're like, oh, you know, I could do this. I'm going to start my street ministry too. And I'm like, okay, okay, but listen, you know, and anybody who comes, we make them go through an orientation. We talk about this is our protocol if there's a mm -hmm. fight. You need to understand the people that we are are ministering to some of them are not well some mm -hmm. of them have you know hep c some of them have have hiv um mm. full-blown aids mm. like we don't stop to ask them if they're well or not it's not like when you walk into the building and say if you're experiencing any of these symptoms please <laughs> yeah. stay home yeah. right that that's not going to happen so there are risks um, but people will come out with us and they don't see the risks. They just see, oh, this is easy. You can, anybody can do this. Mm -hmm. And then they will decide to go downtown with, with a few bags of, you know, donuts and, and some hot chocolate. And they don't understand why the same thing doesn't happen. But it's because we, we build relationship. These, these are our friends. Mm -hmm. We know their names. We know their stories. Mm -hmm. And, um many of their stories are beyond what um, you can even want to process, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this, the stories, the adventures, if you want to call it, that some of them have walked through, uh, send me home at night just brokenhearted, like, God, how can, how can there even be changed? How can, mm -hmm. how can you sort out this situation? Like you just know it's only God that can heal their hearts yeah. so many ways. So in the work that you do, uh, one of the benefits uh, that that brings um, thriving and, and, and goodness to the city uh, is that you're actually extending people's lifespan because instead of isolation and uh, being um, uh, just having a one-way street into despair and addiction uh, you create a, a community where they belong mm -hmm. and uh, where people know them they they have have they're named you know and uh, providing something as simple as a regular meal uh, that's uh, you know not just um, going to be a box of craft dinner, right? Mm -hmm. But but actually caring about their nutrition, caring that that they have have socks, caring about those kind of things, you yeah. know, caring that they get referred to to other places where yeah. they can get the help they need. It actually extends their lifespan. Mm -hmm. And uh so it's a gift of life through what you do. But we also experience in these environments um, the this sometimes the sting of death, you know, and and we we lose p 
people to addiction. We lose people to to violence and mm -hmm. and uh, poor health conditions and many other things, suicide and um, how how does death affect uh, you in the work that you do? Um, for me, I found that with the people I've built relationship with downtown, that there's no guarantee I will see them again. I've had mm -hmm. to come to that reality of I might see them uh, every day or at least once a week, and then they could be gone. And I won't even mm -hmm. know because we're not a shelter where they sleep at night. Yeah. We don't register people's names. Yeah. They know they can come and go freely at Father's House, but it also means we might not see them again. And mm -hmm. we will hear through the grapevine what's happened. I think um, it got brought home to me. Um, there was a lady named Annabelle mm -hmm. who would come in uh, often to our drop-in. And uh, she was quite a character and not always the easiest person to have around. <laughs> and a lot of my volunteers would be like, can you deal with her? I, I just can't. She's just so demanding or she's so difficult or I never know she's going to scream at me. And so uh, I would did my best to build relationship with Annabelle. And we came to be friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, Annabelle had a, a her street husband was, is Tim, big tall guy, carried a big knife. Um, they had a volatile relationship, but they stuck together, the two of them. And so they would come in mm -hmm. and they would ask for clean clothes or food or whatever, and we would take care of them. And, um, then all of a sudden I didn't see her and I didn't see Tim for quite a while, but I ran into him on a Tuesday night during street ministry and he began to weep and cry. And he told me that Annabelle was in the hospital, um, uh, very, very ill in intensive care. And um, I wasn't able to get in to see her right away because I had to get more information, like actual yeah. her real name and last name. And I can't just go in the hospital and say I'm looking Where's for someone. Well? In yeah. yeah. So you try to get that information. And before I could, I found him again, and he told me that she was dead. And I felt really bad and told my staff. And for me, the hardest part about it was because I searched in my heart and thought, I know that Annabelle and I worked out a good relationship, that I that she saw me as her friend, that I cared about her, but I don't know if I gave her enough Jesus. I don't know, did I point her enough to call on Jesus mm. for eternity? Mm -hmm. And I talked to Jesus about it, and I prayed, and I was like, Lord, I'm just so... Like, help me to do that better. Like, I, I want to give them food. I want to give them clothes. And sometimes that that interferes with giving them the gospel, Lord. I just help me to find that balance of when mm -hmm. to speak. And so uh, time went on. And uh, one day, uh, lo and behold, I run into Tim again. And he tells me, Pastor Debbie, I heard Annabelle's not dead. And I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, no. She's not dead? She's what? alive? And he goes, Yeah. <laughs> Her daughter told me she was dead because she didn't want me to see her anymore. But oh. she's alive, and she was really sick for a long time, but she's alive. So he brings her to church. So one Sunday morning, breakfast, and I come downstairs to breakfast, and there's Annabelle. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I greeted her. and All she, those wasted tears. Uh, well, that's sort of what I thought, yeah. right? And, and anyway, 
they, they did something they had never done before that morning, though. Tim and Annabelle decided to come to church. Hmm. Not only did they come to church, they stayed through the whole service. Hmm. And in that service, uh, part of my message was uh, uh, an invitation Mm-hmm. That if you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you've never said, Jesus, I want to join your family. I want to be part of your family, mm-hmm. your forever family. Um, I gave that invitation. I prayed. Um, and that Sunday, Annabelle filled out a card and handed it to me. And on that card, she had put a little check mark saying, today I asked Jesus in my heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, my associate pastor handed me the card later on after the service. And I sat down and I looked at it and I went, If I never see her again, Lord, you answered my question for me. You you heard yeah. my prayer, even though I thought she was dead. Yeah. Even though I thought I had no more opportunities with her to give her Jesus. God, you gave me that opportunity. And it's it just reminded me that... life-changing message and and you wouldn't be doing what you're doing if it wasn't for coming to that realization yeah. yourself yeah that yeah you know the God of the universe the one who created this whole world in all its diversity and color he came to us yeah so that we could have hope and do something beautiful in the yeah. world yeah and oh that's great well, let's, uh, let's just ask one more question here, and it's the 10x question. If you had 10 times the money, and 10 times the real estate, mm-hmm. and 10 times the people to serve, and 10 times the people to work with you, uh, where would you go with all that? I'd, I'd stay where I was, for mm-hmm. the most part, except um, there's a couple of buildings downtown that I've trumped by that said, oh God, if I had that building, I know what I'd do with that. Mm-hmm. I know I know what that room could be and this room could be this and man there's a gym in that building we could have sports stuff going mm-hmm. on and and uh, uh I I would just have more. I would have um more things that we could offer our building so limited mm-hmm. uh in space. Uh there's so many things that I I know we could do and do better yeah. if we had more space we already rent a gym on wednesday night for our yeah. kids program yeah. but man th- that gym's in an old school and i just think if i had the whole school oh what i could do mm. all the dreams i could have and i mean um it would truly be a dream center mm. we would we would build uh edmonton dream center that reached out and mm-hmm. just was this place of of harbor come mm-hmm. in here yeah. and be safe and uh be loved and um be healed uh yeah yeah just, harbor that's a good prairie word isn't it yeah it is <laughs> not too many harbors there but <laughs> nope that's a beautiful picture i love that yeah. you know that come out of the turbulence come mm-hmm. out of the storm come yeah. into um, an environment where you are safe yeah and and where you can be restocked, you know, get your repairs done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Debbie Kunst, for being with us today. Thank you. And uh, you're an amazing uh, woman with uh, 
just such a great heart, and uh, it's been great talking with you. Thank you. Aren't you glad God doesn't limit us and doesn't say, oh, you're a girl or you're a boy or anything like that? He just calls and equips. That's true. Yeah. Paul talks about, the apostle says that in in Jesus, there is no male or female. There's no master slave. There's... There's no identity markers that separate us. Yeah. That that those identity markers, though we all have them, um, are not barriers to the to being in unity and yeah. love with Jesus and and with the world around us. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, Thank you. Kevin. Thank you, Debbie, for sharing uh, your story with us. You know, one of the realities of urban ministry is that you will always be working with the offended and the offender. Uh, All have a place in the Father's house, all who are willing to come, who are willing to come and be a part of a new kind of family. Well, our next guest on the next episode is is a good friend and uh, somebody that worked with me in previous years Riley McLaren. Riley is uh, currently pastoring a Mennonite congregation in Windsor, Ontario, Uh, but uh, he is also the chaplain at St. Leonard's House. St. Leonard's House is a halfway house for men coming out of prison. Part of his work uh, from the halfway house was also helping to facilitate Uh, groups, uh, therapeutic groups uh, for sex offenders. And uh, on the other side of the coin, also facilitating a a group for uh, women of offenders, uh, the wives, the the daughters, the the mothers of uh, men that have been incarcerated. And uh, so he's had a very broad experience of working with both the offended and the offender. And I think you're gonna be uh, really um, just uh, challenged in some good ways uh, when you hear my conversation with Riley McLaren. And uh, so uh, if you haven't already subscribed to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast, uh, we're on all the uh, uh, platforms that I know of for podcasts. We also uh, put uh, some of our episodes, the video ones in particular, up on YouTube. And uh, so um, be sure to subscribe, uh, add us uh, as uh, a friend on Facebook and uh, do or follow us on Facebook and, and uh, we're also on Twitter. So until the next time we see you, I'm Kevin Rogers and keep one ear to the sky and one ear to the ground in your city. This is Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. Thank you.